Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. That's right. It's Everybody's Friend, the Comic Web Old Time Radio Podcast, where each week we feature an episode from the golden years of radio. We also offer two other podcasts. We have a Superman Old Time Radio Program podcast and a video podcast of old movie serials. Just go to our website for information on how to download the podcast or type the word Comic Web into iTunes and they'll pop up. The Comic Web sells all of the old-time radio programs featured in our podcast, as well as comic books and more. Check us out at comicweb.com. You'll get some of my brief commentary after the episode. This week we present Perry Mason. Each episode is only ten minutes long, so we will present three for your listening enjoyment. It's immediately after the close of our last episode. As in Judge Selby's courtroom, Prosecutor Frederick Apt triumphantly watches Lillian Morrison leave the witness stand. As the prosecutor sends for his next witness, Perry Mason rises from his chair at the defense table, walks down the aisle, through the door, and into the corridor. Okay, wise guy. Okay, you got to bet. Five bucks. And my five says he wins. Uh, <clears throat> Paul. Huh? Oh. oh. Uh, see you, Cliff. Uh, yeah, Perry. Friend of yours? Friend? That vulture? I suppose you want a piece of the bet. Yeah, sorry you made it. No, I just offered me. Okay, I'll cut your loss. I'll take two fifty. Now, Perry, I didn't mean I would. Let me do the worrying. Well, I ought to do a little worrying too. I got two bucks and a half at stake. Oh, you want me to take it all? No, I guess I can stand it. Ah, oh, that's what I like about the people who work with me. They have so much faith. Yeah, I've never seen you up the creek without a paddle before. <laughs> Don't you think it's interesting? Very interesting. Now that apt is making it look as if May Grant was carrying a torch for Marcel Blanc. Yes, me with no paddle. Mm. Uh, Paul. Hmm? Remember a Mrs. Morgan, the woman your man thought was Kitty? Morgan? Morgan. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I just talked to her. She's a very nice person. Uh, She'll cooperate. How? Well, look, if Kitty DiCarlo has an alibi for the time of the murder, it's a false alibi. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I can break a false alibi if I get enough information. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I want the information. Now, you get Mrs. Morgan, Paul. Get Mrs. Morgan... I do. Uh, just uh, get into the witness stand, please. Yes, sir. This chair squeaks. Uh, tell us your name, please. Haven't you got someone who... Never mind the squeak, Mrs. Dean. Just uh, tell us your name and address. Dean. Carolyn E. Dean. 4739 Platt Street, Chicago, Illinois. And your Occupation. Just a little furniture oil. Sit as still as you can, Mrs. Dean, if it bothers you. Now, uh, your your occupation. Chambermaid. Michigan Clark Hotel. That's in Chicago? Yes, sir. I've been there 12 years. I see. And uh, you were on duty the morning of August 18th? I was. Oh. On, on what floor of the uh, hotel, please? The sixth floor. Now, Mrs. Dean, I ask you if you see anyone in this courtroom, anyone... Whom you also saw on the sixth floor on that morning in question. I do. Um, two people. Uh, point them out, please. Well, um, that lady over there. Oh, uh, stand up, Mr. Carlo. You saw this lady, Mr. Carlo. Hmm? Her and a little girl. Now, uh, just a moment. Uh, do you see anyone else? Um, yes, sir. That one. Uh, stand up, Mrs. Grant. You also saw this woman, the defendant, Mrs. Grant? Yes, sir. Sit down, Mr. Carlo and Mrs. Grant. Uh, I'm going to show you two photographs, Mrs. Dean. Uh, give me that. That's right. I, um, I show you these photographs. 
One of the murdered man, Marcel Blanc. Oh, I saw him that morning, too. And this photograph, the child known as Dory Grant. Uh, yes, sir, I-, I saw her, too. Good, very good indeed. Now, you may tell the jury what you saw happen that morning, Mrs. Dean. Yes, sir. Well, the first thing we do in the morning is check with the front of the house. The front of the house? The manager's office. We learn who checked out early so we can get the rooms ready. That morning they uh, told me 6.11 and, and 6.13 were checking out early. I see. So I, I went to clean up 6.11 at the double uh, to clean it up first. I was pushing my service card down the hall when I saw the lady. Oh, uh, Which one? Uh, that one there, um, Mr. Carlo. Her and the little girl. Now, you couldn't be mistaken. No, sir. They passed right by me. The little girl asked what I was pushing. <laughs> She's a sweet little thing. Uh, did the child seem unhappy? Uh, was, was she crying? Or... Oh, no, no. She was okay. Uh, uh, continue, please. Well, I went down to 611. I took out my ring keys to open the door. And then I saw it was already open. Not wide, just a little. Um, well, maybe a foot. Well, I was going on inside... But I heard them talking. Them? Mm, that one over there, uh, Mrs. Grant. Uh, and the man in the picture, Mr. Blank. At first, I just heard her voice. Uh, could you understand what she was saying? Not till I got close to the door. I could see them in the mirror over the dresser. He was standing by the window, uh, smoking a cigarette, and, well, kind of, well, kind of watching us. Uh, Mrs. Grant? She was um, right in front of him. Was she uh, fully dressed? Uh-huh. Uh. Well, um, go on. What was uh, what was she saying? She was asking him something. Just asking? Not just asking. Begging. Yeah, begging him to let her go with him. Now, be very, very careful, Mrs. Dean. Repeat only what you heard. That's what I heard. She was begging to go with him. You're certain he didn't ask her? No, sir, I'm positive. He wasn't saying much at all. He was just smoking that cigarette and watching us. Yeah, and she? Well, um, she said something like, Well, I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you tell me, only don't leave me. Please don't leave me. I'll come on my hands and knees if I have to. And now, once again, once again, and, and think carefully. She begged to go with him? Yes, sir. She even started to cry. That's all. Your witness, Mr. Mason. Mrs. Dean. Yes, sir? Now, you're a good housekeeper. It's my job. That's why that squeaky chair bothers you. You hate to see a job half-finished. Well, yes, sir. So do I. I hate unfinished jobs and half-truths. Now, uh, don't get nervous. And think a moment. You say Mrs. Grant asked to go with Marcel Blanc. Yes, sir, she did. And just before that, you saw the child being led away from her room? Why, yes, sir. Now, did any single thing you heard, did anything indicate that Mrs. Grant wanted to go with Blanc because she was, uh, well, in love with him? Well, uh, I... Yes or no, please? Well, no, sir. If all the truth were known, couldn't she have been begging to go with him to protect the little girl? Well, yes, sir, I... I guess so. She never said why she wanted to go. So, in truth, she could have hated that man, right? I, I guess she could have, if that was her reason. I, I mean, if she was worried about the child. She was awful worried, Mr. Mason. She was eating her heart out over something. Exactly. 
eating her heart out with fear. Fear for the little girl whom she loved. Not Marcel Block. That's all. Thank you. Uh, just a moment, Mrs. Bean. Just a little moment. Yes, sir. When you heard Mrs. Grant alone with Marcel Blanc in that hotel room, did Mrs. Grant mention anyone else? No, sir, but... She begged to go with him, with a man we know was most charming and handsome and very attractive to women. Huh? Yes, sir. She didn't say anything about anybody else, not the kid or anybody. She just said she had to be with him. Had to be with him? She was thinking only of him, as, as far as we know. Yes, sir, just him. And now we'll see who May Grant was thinking about when we call the next witness. You may step down, Mrs. Dean, and thank you. What do you think, Perry? Mm-hmm. Well, that tells me a lot. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look so good, huh? You're worried? Aren't you? Oh, here I am. About lots of things. Oh, Perry... That uh, squeaky chair worries me. Hmm? Oh, you. Seriously, Perry? Seriously, Delon. I'm also worried about Paul's bet of two dollars and a half. Oh. May Grant is looking worried. Perry Mason, you're the most exasperating man. You jumped from Paul's two fifty to May Grant. Same thing, Della. I've got to protect Paul's investment. Give me three sheets of white paper. What? Three sheets of white paper, a sharpened pencil, a straight edge ruler. Come on, come on, Della. This is very important. Paper? Ruler and a... No, 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 Della. If the... I had the paper and the pencil and the ruler, why, then you'd know what I wanted to do. Come what? on, come on. Be a good secretary. Open my briefcase. But he knows better than anybody else how much cause there is for real worry now. Worry about more than Mr. Paul Drake's $2.50. But Perry also knows the importance of fighting worry with a smile. So, with the light touch of those three sheets of white paper. But won't you join us tomorrow? The strategy of Prosecutor Frederick Apt has been clear and simple and deadly to prove not only that May Grant killed Marcel Blanc, but also to prove that May was passionately in love with the murdered man and that out of her infatuation grew the motive for murder. <coughs> Well, one look at May's white, drawn face, the way she clutches her husband's hand, would indicate how beautifully Apt is succeeding. And one look at defense lawyer Perry Mason, who is working rapidly on a paper spread before him, would indicate that he also is desperately worried. But if you could stand with Della and look over Perry's shoulder... Almost finished, Della. Yes, Perry. I'm ruling three sheets of paper here into columns. Yeah, two columns to a page. That's hmm? right. One page for you, one page for me, and one for May. All right. But why? Uh, just a second, just a second. Ah, left. Now, I have noticed something. Mm -hmm. The witness chair squeaks. What did you say? The witness chair squeaks. You know what that means. You get a chance to get even. Perry Mason, you won 90 cents from me at the McKean trial, and I'm now, not... Now is your chance to get even. I absolutely refuse What's to have... What's the matter? It... Are you uh, scared? No, I'm not scared, but I oh, know... Oh, Stella, now the chair has got a lovely squeak. And I thought you were serious. I am. As a matter of fact, it has two squeaks. A single squeak and a double squeak. <laughs> oh. Now, 
You take one of these sheets of paper, and I'll take one. Uh, oh, do you want the doubles or the singles? The squeaks, that is. Um, which one do you want? Well, I'd kind of like the doubles. No, 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 no. I want the doubles. Oh, well, since you were loser last time. All right. Now, we'll both keep track. For how much? Oh, a dime a squeak. That's that. Mm-hmm. Shake. Right. Right. Wait a minute. What about the third sheet of paper? May gets that. Oh. Look at her, Dellum. Yes, I see. She just looks... Bad, yes. Now, let us take her mind off Mr. Apt and his evidence. She can be umpire, keep score, and settle any disputes. Okay. You know why she looks especially down today, don't you, Chief? Hmm? Today is Dory's birthday. Today? Yeah. Oh. Well, a more reason. She keeps on looking whipped, she'll be whipped. That's right. Uh, take this page to her, hmm? And make sure she's got a pencil. And don't try to get around her. I want a fair and impartial referee. Uh, tell us your name and address, please. Pratt. Frederick Pratt, Chicago, Illinois. And your occupation, Mr. Pratt? I manage a restaurant near the Chicago Air Terminal. Now... Uh, Mr. Pratt, uh, what you're about to tell us is a thing you saw yourself. Uh, simple, but important. What's that? Eh? This chair squeaked. Oh, well, never mind that now. Uh, don't you think... Uh, that... Mr. Pratt. Yes, sir. Have you ever seen the defendant before? I saw her. She came into the restaurant the night of the 17th. Now, tell us just what you saw. Well, this fellow Blank and Mr. Carlo and the kid were all in booth number 12. That's a back booth. You knew them? No, but when you showed me their pictures, I remembered. Very well, go on. It was after midnight. That's our rush time. I was busy and didn't notice anybody in the booth. Well, not at first. Except that a man and a woman and a kid were in it. And then what happened? Well, all of a sudden, a woman let out a yell. I looked over and I saw this Mrs. Grant. Well, where was she? Standing in front of the booth. She hollered something like, uh, there you are, or I found you. I don't remember the exact words, but... Oh, uh, what did you do? Well, I thought something was wrong, so I headed over to stop it. You know, if there was going to be a disturbance. Well, then I felt kind of foolish. No. She didn't need any help. She was doing okay. Well, what do you mean? Well, the time I got over there, Mrs. Grant and this guy Blank, they were hugging and kissing and... Oh. Yeah, yeah, they were in a big clinch. Oh. Well, I'd gone charging over there like Galahad to the rescue, so I had to say something. Yes, good. And she had yelled out. Hmm. So, after a while, when they uh, came up for air... <laughs> well, uh, go on, go on. Well, I said, uh, anything the matter, lady? Which was a foolish question, because anybody could see there was nothing the matter. And, uh, and uh, what did Mrs. Grant say? She didn't make any complaint. No? Uh, seems they got separated in the terminal, and Auntie May, they called her Auntie May, was so happy to see the guy... Well, she kissed him. Just a moment. That's a leading question. Uh, rephrase it then, Mr. Mason. Uh, they were kissing. It looked, uh, mutual to me. And let me ask, did Mrs. Grant, uh, seem afraid, frightened? Oh, uh-uh. oh, everything was fine and dandy. And the little girl, was she all right? Oh, sure. She was drinking a glass of hot milk. Yeah, everything was hunky-dory, Mr. Rapp. Love and kisses. Now, now that's all, Mr. Pratt. Are you a witness, Mason? Uh, no questions. What? No questions, Mr. App. Oh. Well, since it's getting late, Your Honor, I move we recess until tomorrow morning. Hmm? Well, have you any objections, Mr. Mason? 
Oh, no, no, no objections. So ordered. Court recessed until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Now, now, Eight single squeaks and fifteen doubles. That's seven more doubles. Stella, you can't count two of my singles now, and one of your doubles. Listen, you owe me seventy cents, Perry Mason, and don't you try to get out of it. All now, right, that's what all you... right, all right, all right, Della. Take our tally sheets to the referee. We will abide by May's decision. Uh, here comes Aunt. Tell May I'll see her later. You just wait. You'll see that I'm right. We will let the judge settle it for us. Oh. Huh? Why are you going to have the judge settle, Mr. Mason? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, it's Mr. Rand. Well, so it is. <laughs> yeah. Little argument with your staff, Mason? Call it a dispute. Hmm? No, why don't you... Uh, take those pages to the judge before Mr. Rapp strains his eyes, Della. We'll get our answers later. Yes, sir. You're changing your strategy, Mason. I am? You didn't cross-examine Lillian Morrison. You only asked that chambermaid a question or two. You didn't cross-examine this last witness at all. We'll know the score this afternoon, Mr. Mason. Oh, fine. Yes, Mason, I've been watching you. Well, this man is on the alert, fellow. Oh, right in there pitching all the time. He noticed that I didn't cross-examine Mr. Pratt. Oh? He wonders why. Oh. I think I'll tell him. Why, Chief? You're tipping your strategy. Well, I think he deserves it. Uh, come here a moment, Pratt. I'll show you why I didn't dare cross-examine Pratt. Now, if you'll just sit here in the witness chair, Pratt. Go on, go on. All right, nice. Now, um, notice this chair, if you please. Yeah, what about it? It squeaks. And not only a single squeak, Mr. Ass, but this is a deluxe chair. Single and double squeak. Yeah. And do you know something, Mr. App? Now, please listen carefully, because I am explaining my strategy. When you finished with Mr. Pratt, the chair had squeaked 15 double squeaks, but only eight singles. Really? And I had the singles. Miss Street had the doubles. Well, you can see, Mr. Rapp. As it was, I was losing by 70 cents. Now, if I kept the witness in the chair, why, I might have gone on and on and on. Oh. I'm sure that you would have done the same thing had you been in my shoes. Dollars are hard to come by these days. Very amusing, Mr. Mason. I hope you'll keep on being amused. Oh, we'll try, Mr. Rapp. We'll try real hard. A oh, lovely smile, Miss Street. Thank you. I wonder if you'll wear it long. Well? Especially if you knew my strategy. If you knew what I'm thinking about right now. Uh, good day, Mr. Mason. Good day. Goodbye. Goodbye. Perry. Um, there is a keen lad. Think he is going to pull a rabbit out of that? Hmm. More likely an axe. Yes, but then why tell you? Well, Mr. Apt is gouging in the clinches. He wants me to worry. Oh? Yes, a keen lad. He got what he wanted. Um, are you worried? Yes, about more than 70 cents. And about more than Paul's two dollars and a half. No, no. Look, um, how about doing some birthday shopping for Dory, huh? You can use some of your winnings. And then how would you like to meet me in the conference room of the jail? Well, I can tell you this. Perry Mason's hunch is right. There is reason to worry. Because Mr. Apt is about to spring a new bit of strategy. But more of that tomorrow, so won't you be sure and join us? 
It's early evening, some hours after the trial of State versus May Grant adjourned, as Perry Mason and Della drive towards the Grant home to help celebrate Dory's sixth birthday. We'll join Perry and Della in a few moments. But first, let's go to the apartment house on Baker Street, where Kitty DiCarlo has been living under the watchful eye of Anna B. Hurley. And let's join Mr. Frederick Apt, prosecutor, as in the corridor outside Kitty's apartment, he stops to admire himself in the hall mirror, shifts the package he carries to his other arm, removes his hat, makes certain his hair is combed smoothly, then... Just a second. All right. Huh? Oh, Mr. Ed. Well... Good evening, my dear. I'm not disturbing you. Oh, no. I wasn't expecting company. Oh, you look very nice. Oh, you've seen me toast his pajamas before. Indeed I have. Indeed I have. Mm. Oh, please, come in. I, I was just surprised to see you. I forgot my manners. Oh, thanks. I'll take your coat. Thank you. And that package. Oh, no, I'll just put it here on the table. All right. I'm glad you're alone, my dear. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I mean, being with you. Hmm, cozy. Hmm, very cozy. That's why I hate to... Oh, let's sit down, shall we? Mm. And, my dear, I think it's best if you sit beside me. On the couch, Mr. Abbott? Well, yes. Yeah. I have some, um, well, some rather unpleasant news for you. No, it's nothing too important, but still disturbing. What news? Come sit down, huh? All right. There we are. Are you comfortable? Mm, very comfortable. And this is pleasant. Very, very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Now, what did, what did you... Sometimes I resent the affairs of the world. I really do. What? Well, those affairs intrude. Oh. But we have our duty. Mm-hmm. No matter how unpleasant our duty, we mustn't shirk it. What are you trying to tell me, Mr. Hatt? Yeah, that unpleasantness. Sorry, I have to tell you. This day of all days. This day? Oh, I know where your thoughts have been all this day, my dear. You do? On your little girl. What? <laughs> you didn't think I'd forget her birthday. I never forget a date, my dear. Oh, oh. I remember saying it on the record. I. Well, I've tried not to think of it. No. I try not to think of Dari at all. Ah, poor lady, poor lady. Oh, it's sweet of you to remember. I'm a most considerate man to some people, my dear. Mm. As you shall learn. For instance, you know what's in that package? No. Ice cream. Ice cream? Well, sure, but actually. And little cupcakes. How nice. Nah, I like cupcakes. I thought we might have a quiet celebration. Uh, that was thoughtful of you. No, but that isn't all. No? No, I brought an extra special treat. We can have the sherbet and cupcakes as sort of a party for your daughter. Then, a little later on, that is, if you aren't too tired, there's a bottle of sparkling burgundy in the package. Well. <laughs> I'm a most considerate man, my dear. You've behaved yourself beautifully. You deserve a celebration, too. Oh, you're a surprising guy, Mr. Hatt. A thoughtful man, Mr. Carlo. Does my idea of a pleasant evening please you? Oh, but just a second. Yes? What about that disturbing news? No, no hurry. I know, but... It didn't we'll make it get... some coffee first, hmm? 
Well, I'd like some coffee. Okay. Maybe I'd better put that other stuff on ice. No, it isn't necessary. Well, the room's warm. The ice cream is okay. gonna... I had it packed. Oh. Oh, yes. Dry ice. Oh. Now, let's have some coffee. And then, shall we talk? Everything would be just perfect if your mommy were here, hmm? Yes, that's it. Well, I, um, I have a little surprise for you, Dory. Oh? Why? Maybe I'd better help Bill with the coffee, hmm? Yeah, I'll just take our cup. What's the surprise, Mr. Mason? It's a record. A record that you can play on your phonograph. You want more coffee, Terry? Yes, please, Della. I'm, uh, giving the record to Dory now. Yes, I'll be right back. Uh, where is your record player, Dory, hmm? Over there. Music, Mr. Mason? Yeah, you wait and see. All right. Can I play it now? Yes, of course. It's yours. Can I put it on myself? Well, if you'll be extra, extra careful. Oh, I will. Oh, uh, just a second, Dory. Yes, Mr. Mason? You understand, don't you? I mean, you understand why your mommy can't be here with you. Well, I... Well, I know she can't. But you understand she is thinking of you and... Wishing she were here with you. Wish she were here too, Mr. Mason. Mm. Well, maybe we can almost have her here. Like magic? Mm, something like magic. Now, you play the record, honey. Hello, darling. Mommy. Happy birthday, darling. Thank you, Mommy. Mommy, Mommy wishes she could be with you, darling. But I know that Daddy and Mr. Mason have explained... Mommy. And I know that you had the nicest party and the nicest present. Yes. And that you and Mr. Mason and Stella and Daddy had the best ice cream and cake. You didn't let Daddy eat too much, did you, darling? <laughs> <laughs> did you? You've got to take care of Daddy. I will, Mommy. And Daddy and Mr. Mason and Della, they'll take care of you. Yes. And, Dolly, I want you to know Mommy's thinking about you. But she loves you. I love you. Did you know that I was making some new clothing for Manuel Jr.? I've been so very busy, I haven't finished, but you'll get them tomorrow or, or, or the next day. Here? Now I've got to say, nighty-night, baby. And happy birthday. And let's sing it, hmm? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear darling. Happy birthday to you. Good night, darling. Oh. oh, Mommy. Are you going to see Mommy tonight, Mr. Mason? Well, yes, for a minute. We're going back to the... Uh, we're going where she is and tell her about your party. Will you take her a big kiss for me? Oh, sure. Come on, give me... Bend over so I can read. Oh. There. Hmm. Why, Mr. Mason. Do you mind if I play my record again? No, you go right ahead. What was the kiss for, Perry? Take back to me. Oh. You had a real nice idea, Mr. Mason, you old sentimentalist. Oh, now, Della. Sending me out shopping while you had May make that record. I know you. 
But it was real considerate, Perry. Very thoughtful. Ah, you say that to all your bosses. I think Dory had a very good idea. Huh? Bend over, Counselor. You deserve a nice set. Oh, saved by the bell. Darn. <laughs> I'll get it, Bill. Mr. Grant. Why, no, I... Uh, this is the Grant house, right? Why, uh... I check the address. All right, this is the Grant address. I'm Perry Mason. Perry Mason. Oh, my lawyer. You've got a message from Mr. Grant. He'll do. You can take this message. What? From Mr. App. Special greeting from Mr. App. See this? This piece of paper says Mr. William Grant delivered the child known as Dory Grant to court in the morning. Uh, you want I should read the fine print, or you got it? I got it. Okay. Uh, birthday party, huh? Yes, the child known as Dory Grant. Yeah? Well, happy birthday. What was it, Perry? Greetings from Mr. Abt. Greetings and a birthday present. He subpoenaed Dory. Oh, Perry. Uh, that child. That poor baby. You know what he said, Della? What? The man said, happy birthday. Oh. All right, Della, let's go deliver Mr. App's present. Yes, Mr. Apt is a most thoughtful man. A man who thinks about his duty and his ambitions. And who is letting absolutely nothing stand in the way of getting May Grant convicted for murder even if it means dragging an innocent, vulnerable little girl before a grim court of law. Well, join us tomorrow, won't you? Capitalizing on the popularity of his Perry Mason novels, Earl Stanley Gardner brought his character to CBS Radio in October of 1943. Billed as a defender of human rights, champion of all those who seek justice, Mason was a wildly successful criminal defense attorney whose clients, generally accused of murder, were invariably innocent. Mason solved the cases and proved his client's innocence by identifying the true criminal in each case, frequently by extracting confessions from the guilty right in the courtroom. Although Gardner wrote the initial scripts, the task was soon turned over to a writing team early on in the series. These courtroom dramas included the same recurring characters that graced Gardner's books and the later television series, including Secretary Della Street, originally played by Gertrude Warner, Private Eye Paul Drake, voiced by Matt Crowley, and Homicide Detective Lieutenant Tragg, played by Mandel Kramer, who later became the last actor to voice Johnny Dollar in Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, also available for sale at, you guessed it, the Comic Web. All three of these actors later appeared in the television soap opera The Edge of Night, originally conceived as a daytime version of Perry Mason. That is, until Gardner had a falling out with CBS. The role of Perry Mason was originated by Bartlett Robinson, who went on to a prolific career as a character actor on various television series, including Perry Mason, playing opposite Raymond Burr in the title role. The series ran on CBS radio until 1955. And now, kids, it's time for a Comic Web Radio Secret Society code. 19, 3, just enter this code at www.comicweb.com slash secretsociety.htm. Deciphering the code will give you all the benefits of membership in the Comic Web Radio Secret Society. 
Benefits include more free episodes, fun facts, a certificate of membership, and you get 15% off any order from the comic web. Just use the word on checkout where we ask for a coupon code. The code again is 19-3-26-27-19. If you have any comments on how to improve our podcast, please send an email to us or fill out the survey on our website. Our email is editor at comicweb.com. And we would appreciate anyone leaving reviews of the podcast on iTunes or anywhere else. Thanks and have a good week.